This reading is from Luke chapter 13, verses 22 to 35. Then Jesus went through the towns and villages, teaching as he made his way to Jerusalem. Someone asked him, Lord, are only a few people going to be saved? He said to them, Make every effort to enter through the narrow door, because many, I tell you, will try to enter and will not be able to. Once the owner of the house gets up and closes the door, you will stand outside knocking and pleading, Sir, open the door for us. But he will answer, I don't know you or where you came from. Then you will say, We ate and drank with you, and you talked in our streets. But he will reply, I don't know you or where you came from. Away from me, you evildoers. There will be weeping there and gnashing of teeth when you see Abraham, Isaac and Jacob and all the prophets in the kingdom of God, but you yourselves thrown out. People will come from east and west and north and south and will take their places at the feast in the kingdom of God. Indeed, there are those who are are last who will be first and the first who will be last. At that time, some Pharisees came to Jesus and said to him, Leave this place and go somewhere else. Herod wants to kill you. He replied, Go tell that fox, I will drive out demons and heal people today and tomorrow, and on the third day I will reach my goal. In any case, I must keep going today and tomorrow and the next day, for surely no prophet can die outside Jerusalem. O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, you who kill the prophets and stone those sent to you, how often I have longed to gather your children together, as a hen gathers her chicks under her wings, but you are not willing. Look, your house is left to you desolate. I tell you, you will not see me again until you say, Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Tonight's second reading comes from Psalms 27, verses 1 to 14. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? When evil men advance against me to devour my flesh, when my enemies and my foes attack me, they will stumble and fall. Though an army besiege me, my heart will not fear. Though war break out against me, even then I will be confident. One thing I ask of the Lord, this is what I seek that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to seek him in his temple. For in the day of trouble, he will keep me safe in his dwelling. He will hide me in the shelter of his tabernacle and set me high upon the rock. Then my head will be exalted above the enemies who surround me at his tabernacle. Will I sacrifice with shouts of joy? I I will sing and make music to the Lord. Hear my voice when I call, O Lord, be merciful to me and answer me. My heart says of you, seek his face. Your face, Lord, I will seek. Do not hide your face from me. Do not turn your servant away in anger. You have been my helper. Do not reject me or forsake me, O God, my Saviour. Though my father and mother forsake me, the Lord will receive me. Teach me your way, O Lord. Lead me in a straight path because of my oppressors. 
Do not hand me over to the desires of my foes, for false witnesses rise up against me, breathing out violence. I am still confident of this. I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait for the Lord, be strong, and take heart, and wait for the Lord. Well, good evening. I wonder how many of you have seen the Disney film Frozen? Any want to admit? Quite, wow. That's kind of more than I was expecting, really. Um, I also have seen Frozen. Um, I thought it was okay. To be honest, I'm not the biggest fan of Disney films. I find them a little bit irritating and, and cheesy. But the songs were annoyingly catchy. One of them being Love is an Open Door. And my mind was drawn to that song whilst preparing this. And I was thinking, is love an open door? Well, in this passage, we'll be looking at what Jesus says about a narrow door. A narrow door that takes effort to get through. And this, this is a tough passage. Um, so thank you, Jack, for um, laying me with this one. Um, I must admit, I've not heard many sermons on the topic And I think the only way to kind of get through it would be to ask the the tough questions right up front. Do you ever stop to think about who is going to be saved? What about the people who try really, really hard to be good? And what about people who live in the wildernesses or these, these hidden tribes you hear about? They've not heard the word of God. How can that be fair? And as Christians, we may be asked these questions on occasion, sometimes regularly. People wanting to see if God is truly fair and put him on trial. If they don't feel like they have a satisfying answer, they may reject church altogether, reject God even. And so while travelling and teaching his way to Jerusalem, Jesus was asked this very question. Someone asked him, Lord, are only a few people going to be saved? Now, it's certainly a very abstract way to approach the question. Now, this person isn't asking, are only a few of us going to be saved? He's not asking, am I going to be saved? That's it. He's keeping it out of reach, not making it too personal. I have a feeling perhaps this questioner already knows he's not going to like the answer. Perhaps he's trying to trip Jesus up with this now classic question. Are only a few people going to be saved? But the thing is, Jesus doesn't want to keep this kind of discussion at arm's length. He wants to make it personal. He wants to bring it right home, right in your face. So notice his response. Make every effort to enter through the narrow door, because many, I tell you, will try to enter and will not be able to. He tells a group of people around him, they have to all make efforts to get through the door. I particularly like the way the message translation puts it. Whether few or many is none of your business. Put your mind on life with God. The way to life is vigorous and requires your total attention. It's also worth noting who Jesus was actually speaking to. This was a crowd mostly made up of religious Jews. They believed in the one true God. They weren't agnostic or sitting on a spiritual fence. They believed in the Hebrew scriptures and lived in accordance with them. In giving his answer, Jesus wasn't addressing a pagan audience, wasn't addressing the atheist audience. He was talking to the church crowd. 
most of whom assumed they would go to heaven because they were good Jews. He gives us church folks, us the church crowd, some important and practical lessons on the subject of salvation. And Jesus has a habit of doing this when he's asked questions. He turns them around. He does this a few times in the Gospels. Think of the lawyer who wanted to justify himself and so limit the love your neighbour commandment. He asked Jesus, who is my neighbour? But Jesus turns the question around with a parable of the Good Samaritan. And he basically ends up the lawyer, ends up asking the lawyer, are you being a neighbour to the people in your path? Or think of the woman at the well. When Jesus starts to get a bit too close regarding her personal life, she tries to deflect the conversation with the abstract discussion about which mountain they should be worshipping at. <clears throat> but Jesus doesn't let the conversation stay in the abstract. He wants this woman to repent and realise her thirst and so to real, uh, receive the living water. Jesus isn't leaving things in the abstract when it comes to these discussions. And here in the passage we're going to focus on this evening, someone asks Jesus, Lord, are only a few people going to be saved? Jesus turns it around and says, what about you? Are you going to be saved? You see, salvation requires our earnest effort, our urgent attention and careful self-examination. It requires effort because the door is narrow. It requires our attention because the door is soon to be closed. And it requires self-examination because once it is closed, it will be closed for good. So today, here and now, Jesus will say the same thing to us. Will you be saved? Don't try and keep this religion discussion at arm's length, out there at a safe distance. That's not going to work. God's word is always meant to be applied personally, to reach our hearts and our lives, calling each of us individually to repentance and faith. Jesus is speaking to you when he says, make every effort for the narrow door. But now I'm hearing you ask, what's all this about having to make an effort? I thought salvation was a matter of grace. Are you saying now we have to work? And what's all this nonsense about a narrow door? I thought salvation was open to all. Surely it should be a big, wide door. After all, love is an open door. Joss, I'm quite glad you've asked those questions, and I'd worry if you hadn't, because they are some of the bigger questions you get from the scripture. So let's start and dive in. Make every effort. Strive to enter, Jesus says. Now how can he say that? Yes, salvation is a matter of grace. God's free gift through Christ. Our works don't enter into the equation, and we don't enter the kingdom of God by our own merit. All who are saved are saved purely and exclusively from the free grace of God in Christ and not by our own merit whatsoever. So what does Jesus mean by saying have to make every effort and to strive? It means a lot of hard work, a lot of fighting and contending with others, anguishing. A phrase like make every effort I feel has been watered down but ultimately it comes to fighting for your life. You'll do anything it takes to complete a certain task. Grace is free, but as we come to the narrow door, it does involve a fight. I'm sure many of you may feel that. It's an agonising aspect of Christian life. As you're entering a relationship with Christ, you have all these forces pulling against you, 
trying to keep you from entering that narrow door in the first place. You've got the devil, you've got the world and your own sinful flesh to contend with. It's like a tag team wrestling match. It's you against those three and they're constantly tagging in, flooring you to the mat. It is a full-on fist fight. The devil, the world and the sinful flesh, that's who we're fighting against. That's who we're making every effort to fight against. The devil will assault you and assail you, lure you with temptations, whispering in your ear when times are hardest, saying, God doesn't love you. Look what's happening to you. Just, just give up. And then there's, there's the world tagging in as you listen to the lies of our culture. There's no such thing, thing as sin anymore. Everything's fine. You don't need to repent. Who knows is there even a God out there anyway? As long as you're a good person, that's what counts. And if the devil and the world weren't enough, you've got yourself to fight with as well. I know what I want. I'm going to get it. I won't listen to the Holy Spirit's voice telling me otherwise. No, I'll make my own decisions. And if I'm going to sin, well, I'll just repent afterwards because, you know, that's the great thing about Christianity. I'll just keep going and justify every action I take. So you can see what we're up against. It is indeed a struggle. It is agonizing. Live as a Christian and keep the faith. (coughs) It's like St. Paul says in Acts 14. Through many tribulations, we must enter the kingdom of God. Being a Christian is not easy. It calls for constant striving. So Jesus says here, strive, make every effort, fight, battle to get through the narrow door. Jesus isn't talking about salvation by works of human effort. He's talking about our attitude towards it. Those who are only mildly interested will not obtain it. Those who view salvation as an interesting topic for a Sunday evening um, conversation may be missing the point. And it can be so easy just to get swept along with the crowd. In the winter just gone, myself and a few friends attended the New Year's Eve fireworks in London. It's a great experience. Some of you may have seen the fireworks on TV. It was great to be there. I'd highly recommend being there for the fireworks. What I would not recommend is travelling home afterwards. So you have 10,000 people all gathering and moving towards the same location. Being herded down the streets of London for well over an hour, all pushing and jostling and trying to keep going as much as he can. I mean, it was fairly easy in one respect, so we knew exactly where we were going, we knew the way to get there, we just had to follow the crowd. The challenge would have been if we had to go against it. If we realised, actually, we need to be going the other way, and you're trying to fight through 10,000 people. We didn't see um, any arrests ourselves, but we did see a few people. It got to them a little bit, and there were some jostles, and there was some shouting and arguing. To try and fight through that, that would take every effort to go against the flow to go against what would be easy and that's what Jesus meant by making every effort it requires an earnest and devoted life fighting against those things that are pulling us away that kind of life is a challenge now we need to address the issue of the narrow door To say it's narrow means there is only one way in. There aren't many doors into heaven. There's only one. It's through Jesus, through faith in him alone. (coughs) Jesus says in John 14, I am the way, the truth, and the life. 
No one comes to the Father except through me. Or again in John 10, I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved. Jesus is the door. But be warned that this salvation isn't something we can procrastinate about. There will come a day when the door is shut and locked. Those who are in are in, and those who are out are out. And when's this going to happen? Who's going to decide? The owner of the house is the one who will decide. The final closing of the door will be at judgment, which will take place at the second coming of Christ. And John describes a scene in Revelation. I saw the dead, the great and the small, standing before the throne, and the books were opened. And another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged from the things which were written in the books, according to their deeds. Since we don't know when this is going to happen, this is something we can't waste our time about. But each person's eternal destiny is fixed before the day of judgment at the point of death. In Hebrews it states, it is appointed for men to die once and after this comes judgment. And since life sadly hangs just by a thread, even for the youngest and healthiest among us, we dare not procrastinate about this matter of salvation. So maybe if you're thinking, I'm young, I'm healthy, the second coming is not going to come soon, maybe I've got some time to deal with this. That's not totally wise. The head of the house might slam that opportunity for you before you've responded to the offer of salvation. This is certainly true for the people listening to Jesus at this time when he said it in the first place. The Messiah was in their very midst and now in danger of rejecting them altogether. They had the unique and wonderful opportunity to hear Jesus in the flesh speaking these words, the very words of God. The window of opportunity, though, was about to close because Jesus was heading towards Jerusalem. He was heading towards his death. As with the people then, it is now. We have the opportunity to respond to Jesus now, before it's too late. <coughs> you may leave here. Your mind may get caught up with works, duties, and home, and other matters. And the tug of the spirit on your heart fades. Salvation is an urgent matter. (coughs) Those who are shut out will seem surprised. They knock on the door and they plead, Lord, open to us. But he says, I don't know where you're from. And they reply to him, but we ate and we drank in your presence. You taught in our streets. They were acquainted with him, but the problem was he wasn't acquainted with them. He tells them, I don't know where you're from. Get away from me. Salvation is God's free gift, but those who are truly saved and make progress in holiness. Apart from that, no man will see the Lord. And now, not later, is a time to make sure you have a personal relationship with Jesus. Not just a casual acquaintance. And one major evidence of such a relationship is that you're growing in holiness not just outwardly, but within your heart. And since many would be surprised, and since the stakes are so high and irreversible, we must be careful to examine our own hearts and to make sure we are inside that narrow door before it's closed eternally. And you have to admit, the weeping and gnashing of teeth doesn't sound like a particularly fun experience, especially when it continues through all eternity. 
Just think of it as an eternal root canal without any anaesthetic. These men had assumed that they would be included in the kingdom. They were Jews, not these filthy Gentiles. They were related to Abraham, Isaac and Jacob. But now they find themselves shut out. And of all things, those filthy Gentiles are in there, feasting and dining. They come from all over the world. And it's them who are locked out. The closed door makes this far separation between those who are inside and outside. There are none who are sort of in and there are none who are sort of out. You won't basically be in heaven because you're basically a good person. Either you're in because you entered through the narrow door, which is Jesus Christ, or you're out because you trusted in your own goodness. Or in the fact that you're a church-going Christian but don't really do a lot else apart from that. You need to examine yourself. And carefully answer the question. If I were to stand before God and he say, why should I let you in? What would be your response? Salvation requires us careful self-examination because those who assume they're in may well be out. Jesus says there'll be a great reversal. Many who thought they were first will be last. Many whom the first crowd thought were last will actually be first. The Jews of Jesus' day despised the pagan Gentiles. They thought if they ate with them, they'd become unclean. But Jesus says that many Gentiles have been in the kingdom, eating with the patriarchs and the prophets, while many self-righteous Jews would be shut out. These verses demand our very careful attention because we who are in the church are in the same place as the Jews back in Jesus' day. We are familiar with the things of God. Perhaps like me, you're raised um, to know the gospel. But being in church simply isn't enough. Have you personally entered through that narrow door? Have you come to Jesus as a guilty sinner and laid hold of him as the only acceptable sacrifice for your sins? Are you continuing to seek and know him as your Lord and Saviour? General acquaintance isn't going to cut it on that day. Don't assume just because you know about him, you'll be in. This is certainly one of the most tough passages in the Bible. And hopefully we've explored it as best we can. But there's one other thing that's laid quite heavy in my heart as I was preparing this. And it's dependent on how you read it. If you take this one passage just on its own... It's almost as if Jesus is saying, you don't need to worry about other people, just keep looking at yourself. And that's the danger when you take just one thing out of context. You can't take just one of Jesus' statements and build a case from it. Like here, Jesus says, look at yourselves, don't worry about other people. Is he saying, oh, we shouldn't evangelize, we shouldn't witness? But later on in the Bible, he says we need to do exactly that. So how can we marry these two things together? It's beautifully simple. Jesus tells us to go out into the world and spread good news, but with a reminder that we should be looking inward at the same time to ensure that we remain stable and close to God as we speak to others about him. Much like the story that Jesus told about the man with a plank in his eye, we too must take a look in the mirror and be comfortable how we look spiritually as we go into the world. So my prayer for all of you is that as the door is presented in front of you, have you walked through it? 
Are you going to walk through it? Salvation isn't just an interesting theological notion to discuss. It is of crucial importance for every person. <coughs> because the door is narrow and soon it'll be shut forever. But right now, that door is open. Jesus says to you, strive to enter by the narrow door. Make every effort to enter that narrow door. And as you do so, bring people with you through that narrow door. Let's pray.